Does it feel like Halloween where you are, Rita? Uh, there are a lot of decoration and stuff like that around here. Yeah, it, it feels already like Halloween. But where? why are we talking about Halloween? Because this episode is out on the night of Halloween. It's actually the morning of the 31st <laughs> of October. But let's pretend it's Halloween night. And I have to tell you something. Here in, uh, in Naples, Italy, it really feels like Halloween. Oh, And it's uh, weird because we have fog. I woke up to a very thick fog and it very rarely happens here in Naples, like once a year. Wow. And so it really set the tone for Halloween. You feel like in the highlands, right? <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Generally speaking, November is the month of the year when I say uh, that my city moved to Scotland for a month. It rains very heavily, basically for the whole month. Wow, and do you have guys uh, running around with skirts? <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly, <laughs> but Just that would be in. super cool. <laughs> it would be. We have actually here in my city, Saint-Germain-en-Laye, there is like a strong tie with the Scottish culture. A lot of Scots are here. And twice a year, there is a festival, actually, and you can hear uh, them playing like traditional music and they are like with their traditional outfits. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah, I've never been to Scotland and uh, I really want to go. Oh. There's a lot of people telling me to go uh, on New Year's Eve. There's a um, a festival in Edinburgh, I think. It's mm -hmm. called Armane, but my pronunciation is 100% off, I guess. And uh, there's uh, this huge procession with candles. It's uh, something mm. very interesting. And there are so many castles that you can visit around yeah. Scotland. So I definitely mm -hmm. want to go there. Yeah, definitely. Gorgeous. All right, Rita, we have quite a lot of ground to cover. So I'd say let's dive right in. Today we are going to have uh, two sections. In the first section, we are going to talk a little bit more about Halloween, mm -hmm. uh, especially the etymology of this word, but also the sister celebration, Samhain, yeah. and uh, where these words come from, the roots of these uh, words. And we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the Celtic languages. In the second section, which is you know the big topic of the week, we are going to talk about how long does it really take to learn a language, and does it really matter? <laughs> uh, so let's start right now with the first section. So Rita, do you know what Halloween as a word means? So I, I read about it, and as I told you, I, I dabbled um, a few months, no, two months actually, in Irish, Gaelic Irish. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't go too far. Is there a language that you haven't studied? Of course, uh, <laughs> many that are quite famous, Finnish, Hungarian, <laughs> and there are so many others that I would love to learn, Mongolian. Uh, but um, this one is, was really like, uh, there was a, on, on Facebook a group in Australia that loves languages, and um, we will talk about uh, the people who are behind this group because it's amazing. And they just started this challenge of dabbling in a new language. And since I've been listening to a lot of music, Irish music i said why not <laughs> and also i was like oh this is amazing like the pronunciation is so different from the writing you know and it was cool and he spoke about halloween but i would love for you to explain that to our listeners yeah well i made some research <laughs> and uh yeah apparently the word halloween as does not have you know irish roots does not have celtic roots it's it's actually from the uh english language and the thing is this celebration 
uh, it seems it has uh, Christian roots. And so it just means Whole Hallows Eve or Whole Hallows Evening. Mm. But uh, in the Scots language, basically evening is pronounced in. Mm. And so all dropped, what we were left with was Hallows in. And Mm. then it became Halloween. But the interesting part is that this celebration in itself, some people say that it has actually pagan roots, Mm -hmm. Celtic roots, because in the Celtic world, uh, there used to be another celebration at the same time, uh, which was called Samhain. Samhain. Yeah, sorry. My teacher told me that. Samhain. Samhain, Because M-H is a word. (laughs) Well done. I mispronounced it and I prepared for this. (laughs) Mind it. (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry because I've been all my life calling it Samhain. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, it's Samhain, actually. It's debated what it means. It might mean summer's end uh, because, you know, it's the end of the brightest six months of the year and the start of the darkest six months of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is the double nature of both the celebration in itself and the, the etymology of these two words. And they basically come from two different language families. Yeah, definitely. I love the one, actually. I know there is a lot, much debate about that and that you also maybe like pay people or even you maybe think that it's kind of weird to have this word summer in there while like kind of winter is coming. I feel it's beautiful because it says a lot more about the transition, you know, in terms of seasons. And um, it reminds me of many, so many other cultures that do the same, like the Chinese culture, for example. I find it beautiful. So uh, for me, if I have to celebrate, Halloween will be someone, <laughs> you know, someone, someone. <laughs> So you stick with the with the Celtic roots of the celebration. I love that one. Yeah, I think it's older also. Why not? I mean, everybody can find what is good for him to her or her to believe in, you know? So I like the Celtic uh, approach. <laughs> yeah, I like, you know, mixing things up. So uh, I welcome both roots, both for the celebration and the languages. Uh, what I actually didn't know was that in, in Scotland, other than English, you have multiple minority languages. So I didn't know that, you know, there was the Scots language and the Scottish Gaelic mm-hmm. language. So two different languages coming from two different families. Did you know that? I knew that also because before dabbling in Gaelic Irish, I, w- I was thinking which one should I choose, the Gaelic, like Scott? Scottish or the Irish one. And the first teacher I spoke to in um, on Italki uh, was explaining that to me. And he was telling me about the um, uh, his father because he's Irish, but his father has some family in Scotland and he would speak Scott. And he said it's more about English in it than a Celtic language. I was like, what? So I kind of researched it before. Yeah. And when it comes to Celtic languages, uh, the most popular are possibly Irish and Welsh, both are official languages mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in those uh, countries, in those areas. We actually have an easy Welsh team. Yes. So we promise that we are going to talk about this specific language more in the future. Yeah. Hello, Marianne. <laughs> Scottish Gaelic uh, is, uh, you know, less known probably because it's not an official language. But I'm sorry, I need to talk about something else uh, because I'm French. I need to speak about Breton. <laughs> Which is part of those Celtic languages. <laughs> and there is a big revival of Breton in, uh, in Brittany, you know, in French uh, Brittany. So hopefully one day, maybe it will be offered in all of France as a, another language to learn, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, I would I would love that. I have to be honest. I have read so many books, you know, history books, but also novels set no. in uh, in the Middle Age in North France or South England or even the rest of the of Great Britain, what today is known as Great Britain. Mm-hmm. And you know, they there were all these uh, uh, Celtic names. Wow! And it reminds me. It takes me back when I was a you know a teenager reading mm-hmm. those books. So oh. there is definitely a connection. For me, with those languages. Wow. So, Rita, do you know any Celtic words that made it into English today? Uh, I'm sure we... I mean, if if I think of a bunch of uh, Irish people, or, you know, in the names, or even Scottish, you have the O, you have the Mac. I had a boyfriend long ago. His name was Macfadden. So, I would say clan, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's the the most famous or the one that you immediately relate to Scotland. <laughs> right. <laughs> you also have slogan. Uh, you also have pet. Everyone, ha- well, most people have uh, a pet now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, I didn't know that it, uh, this word had Celtic origins, but there's a, a couple that we really want to talk about. Like a pet can be a dog. Right. What about the queen's dog? Late queen. Yeah. Yeah, everyone was talking about the the dogs in the last couple of months. <laughs> what will happen to the corgi dogs of the queen? So, what about corgi then? What is the etymology of this word? It it basically means dwarf dog. And if you have a look, uh, oh. if, you, if if you, if you look at the pictures of those dogs, it they definitely have a point. They are dwarf dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute, and yeah, the name is uh, very appropriate, I would say. And then, Rita, there is the Celtic word, like the uh, one of the first thing that, you know, be the good thing or bad thing a lot of people associate with, you know, uh, people from those areas, and it's whiskey. Whiskey, definitely. What is the meaning of whiskey? It seems that whiskey literally means the water of life. Wow. Very cool name. But it's interesting because we have this expression in French, which is eau de vie for kind of alcohol, uh, spirit, true. you know? So uh, maybe in Italian you have the same eau de vie and it makes kind of sense because you extract, you know, in this process for like to get the alcohol, you extract what is in there, you know, life kind of, and you drink it like water. So what do you think in Italian? What is it? We have it in Italian as well. We have acquavite. It's uh, something completely different from whiskey, yeah, but there's definitely a connection. Hmm. You know, alcohol and languages, you know, there is indeed a connection. But this is going to be another episode. (laughs) But now what I want to tell you is that if you talk about Irish and you talk about languages... You think of, obviously, of somebody, right? So who are we talking about, Rita? Somebody that is from Ireland and that speaks many languages. They've been traveling, uh, blogging. Are we talking about Benny Lewis? Yes! You cannot really talk about, you know, learning multiple languages uh, without also talking about Benny Lewis. The guy speaks multiple languages, has a very popular blog. It's called Fluent in Three Months. And he was also named uh, some years ago uh, as National Geographic Traveler of the Year. So quite a celebrity, I would say. Definitely. And I love his relaxed approach to learning languages. It's really cool. As you can say from the name of the blog, he says that you can be fluent in three months. 
And, you know, there was a huge debate uh, on the internet a few years ago, especially on YouTube, because uh, there were some other people, among which Steve Kaufman, uh, also known as The Linguist on YouTube, is the founder of uh, an app, a website, a platform where you can learn languages uh, mm -hmm. through input, and it's called Link with GQ at the end. We'll leave the links in, uh, in the show notes. And he was like, no, you cannot learn a language in three months. That doesn't work. So there was a huge debate. Where, where do you stand in this debate? Uh, nor with Benny, nor with Steve. I think there is no debate to have. We'll be maybe discussing a bit later. But I think it's just two different approaches, actually, to learning a language. It depends on so many factors, on your goal. I mean, when you say learn a language, do you mean by that becoming completely fluent Learning a language sounds like, for me, there is a difference between learning and acquiring, which is, sounds more natural, you know? Interesting. Can you please tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, for me, like if you acquire a language, like it's like when you're a, like a, a child with your parents, because you get input, you listen, you repeat, and you're straight ahead, like Benny Lewis says, go and talk to people. I like that. I like that approach. But again, if you're somebody who needs to learn uh, business English in a very short time, Maybe it's not the best strategy for you, you know? But like, if you really have the time and everything, in three months, you can achieve a lot. Now, in his blog, it's called fluent in three months. I would disagree with the word fluent, but I'm not sure that's what he intended in the beginning, you know? I think he clarified that later on. And in three months, you can achieve a lot, but maybe not becoming a native speaker, but you can maybe communicate uh, easily with people, depending on your background and many other factors that we'll come to discuss today. Yeah, I think the... The point here is, what do you mean by fluent? Do you mean you have to reach a native-like uh, level? Or do you mean being able to hold conversations? And then can you really achieve any of those levels in just three months? But I think both approaches kind of work. Basically, everyone learns languages in a different way. While there are principles and actions that everyone can you know, apply Everyone learns differently. So an approach is valid uh, as long as there is someone that makes it work. So if it works for Benny and a lot of people like Benny, it, it's a valid, you know, approach. And the same thing, uh, I think, applies to other approaches. Mm -hmm. But what does the science say about how long it takes to learn languages? From an English-speaking point of view, the Foreign Service Institute um, kind of categorized the languages uh, in terms of difficulty. I believe there are five categories, and each category takes a certain time and certain you know number of hours or weeks you know to to be able to achieve proficiency in those languages at different levels. So the the comprehension, the writing, the speaking, etc. And so kind of the easiest language, for example, for an English speaker would be Dutch, Portuguese. And then the second category will include um, maybe Russian um, and, you, and, and, and so on, right? The hardest would be Arabic, uh, Chinese, Japanese, and maybe Korean. That's the kind of the science for English speakers. And uh, there is a website we will be sharing on the show notes that explains things perfectly so that you can, you know, relate to it. And there are different, like, I mean, um, criterias, like it could be the foreign language itself, as we said, depending on the category, uh, what you expect to be if you want to just travel as Benny and talk to people easily, or you want to be able to speak professionally in that language, your own background and, and then the languages you're able already to, to, to speak. And of course, the motivation and the time you want to put into it, like the effort, right? 
So I believe that's important. But there is another person, and I'm sure you know him, is Chris Lonsdale. He kind of discussed and spoke about how to learn any language in six months. His video is on YouTube, and he explained kind of different principles on how our brain works and how anybody can achieve, he wouldn't say fluency, but he said learning a second language in six months. And there are different actions that you can undertake uh, to get there. And one of them, I really liked it because it's it kind of comes back to the word I said before, acquiring naturally. He said you need, for example, to find a parent in that language, which means you have to find a safe environment in which you can express yourself, where people really want to try to understand you like a parent would understand their child, you know, babbling or trying to express themselves, not correcting you systematically, but mm, rather repeating sentences properly for you etc, etc, and share a lot and relate to that because that gives you, like, what we call passion and gives you motivation to keep up. What about you? What do you think, Raf? I think in, uh, in that video, there are a lot of great tips on how to acquire uh, languages in a short amount of time, let's say. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's methods that you can use to accelerate your language learning. So I think when it comes to how long uh, it takes to learn a language, it of course depends on where you start, mm -hmm. like your L1, your language number one, your native language, or a language that you already speak very fluently, and where you want to end, your L2 language, so your target language. If they are very distant, of course, it's going to take uh, more time. If they are very close, like, I don't know, Spanish and Portuguese, it's going to take less time. And... Um, Looking also at the infographic by the Foreign Service Institute, they say that, for example, for very easy languages from an English-speaking point of view, you can learn, for example, Spanish in like six months. But then they also give you the number of hours that you need, and it's like 100 hours a month. Yeah, That's three hours per day, every day for six months. Pretty intensive. Yeah. Exactly. So... I think that's a more, you know, the hours are more uh, uh, of an, uh, um, a specific indication of how long it takes to really master a language. But then, you know, there are things that can accelerate. You can make the best out of those hours or you can just, you know, be bored. All right. <laughs> Sitting on a, on a school desk, you know, listening to somebody explaining grammar rules. All right. Those hours are going to be most likely. Total waste. Wasted, yes. But if instead you do something that's very compelling to you, very interesting to mm -hmm. you, that uh, inspires you, motivates you, you will not feel that the hours are passing by and you will learn a lot quicker. Yeah. But the real question is, why such haste? I mean, why would anyone want... I mean, I kind of understand that some people have maybe a deadline and move into a country and they want to be able to, you know at least converse, be conversational in, uh, in that language. But for me, it's such an amazing journey to learn the language that I would be like, why are you running, right? Why are you rushing things? The phrase that I like is that uh, language learning is not a race, mm -hmm. it's a marathon. It doesn't really matter uh, how long it takes you to learn a language or at mm -hmm. what level. What, what's really important is that you stay in the game for the long run. Definitely. And it also makes sense as, I also the image I like to think of is when you lose weight. I'm not saying that people need to lose weight, of course, huh? <laughs> just saying. But when you want to lose weight, if you lose weight very quickly, 
you're more likely to gain it back quickly. So kind of the foundation isn't good. So if you take the time to do things properly, you kind of give yourself more chances to kind of keep a lot from that language. Because sometimes we start learning another language or we stop use, like using that language that we just learned and we kind of forget certain things. But when we start getting back there, it's faster, you know, that if you just learned it, you rushed through learning it, you know, and then those yeah. foundations are kind of weak and it's harder for you. Yeah. I think the key word here is sustainability. Mm -hmm. uh, so you should take as much time as you need to learn a language. The most important thing is that you make it sustainable for yourself. So if you can only study for 15 minutes every day, do that, but keep doing that in the long term. And it doesn't matter if it takes you three months or three years or 30 years for what matters. The most important thing is that you actually enjoy the process to the point where you want to go back studying again on the next day. Definitely. What about those three months then? What's, what's happening during those three months? I think Benny has a lot of merit on that, that he uh, touched, you know, the soul of a lot of people who now think that it's possible. You mm -hmm. can learn a language. Of course, you will not be C2 fluent, I think, in any language if you just uh, study for three months. But you can actually reach some level of confidence in three months. And that's very important because I think in those three months, what's very important is that you do not lose the motivation. You will make a lot of progress at, at the beginning and uh, you want to go as far as possible in those first three months so that you do not lose that motivation. A lot of people fail to actually complete uh, those three months. They, they abandon language learning a lot earlier than that. So if you make a sustainable plan for you to Uh, be motivated in those three months. After that, it's just a matter of trying to enjoy the actual content that is relevant and compelling uh, for, for your own uh, interests. And uh, from then, it's just, you know, a matter of enjoying the language. Yeah, I agree and disagree with that. I, really, I mean, I agree in the fact that it's really important to keep the motivation going. And I totally understand that for certain people, it works while working a lot and getting a lot of influx uh, and input in the beginning. Um, for me, I can see, depending on the goal you have for that language, if it's something where you're not rushing, I believe that is, I take those three months as kind of a honeymoon, you know, <laughs> in between you and that language. And I totally do it differently. My motivation comes from more like discovering little by little. I feel like I'm enjoying it if I'm unfolding the language little by little. And once I kind of have big idea and a grasp of the big image, the context, then I see where I'm going. Like if it's, you were talking about fog in the beginning, like if you have an image with a lot of fog in front of you and you want to see ahead and you can't and I'm like taking the time to just clean it up and clear it up and then you know I can run faster yeah I think we've touched uh, this topic already a little bit because um, I shared that when I started university I started uh, teaching myself a new language every year mm -hmm. and this is pretty much what I still do today I have like one year or two year projects for my languages, depending on the relative difficulty for me. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I have a goal that I want to become C2 fluent, like super native speaker-like fluent in that year or two years. What my approach is, I will study every day for, let's say, three months, and then I will use the language in a way or another for the rest of the time uh, with the project. 
And it doesn't really matter where I end up at the end of the, let's say, the, the timeline, at the end of the deadline. Uh, it just matters that I enjoy what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. What about you, Rita? You are forced to answer this question with one simple <laughs> answer. How long does it actually take to learn a language? Simple. It takes the time you're willing to put into, again, the effort you want to put into learning that language, uh, the motivation you have, mm, the language itself and its relation with your own native language or languages, um, and the resources you have, because there are so many also languages that have very little resources, um, online at least. Um, if you're surrounded, you are able to immerse yourself in that language, et cetera, et cetera, and I keep on. So I would say the question is, if you're asking yourself a question, how long does it take me to learn a specific language? If you're an English speaker, then you have, as we said before, the FSI and the categories to help you kind of navigate. But I think the most important is for you to set up a goal that is, um, um, achievable for you so that you don't lose your motivation and that each week you make it happen to be reading, learning, listening, or doing whatever you like surrounded by the language. That will be my answer. If you're rushing through something, you would not do it well. Now, if you have a goal, a deadline, and you have to learn, let's say Swedish because you're moving to Sweden, then I recommend you to have, as we said before, a parent which is a teacher, a tandem, somebody that could help you achieve that faster, but especially especially give you the strength to keep up with it when you're in the country. It takes the time it takes, right? Yeah, it takes the time it takes. <laughs> yeah. I, and I would say that it can take from uh, a few months to forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to- totally, definitely. Uh, but uh, in most cases, you can learn a language uh, in a few months if you really, if you are really motivated and if you really use the right uh you know methods and so on uh until several years depending on the difficulty of the language and uh, how long you you study those languages so it's a it's not uh, so easy to answer with a one specific bullet that you know answers it all yeah and how far you want to go in that language too you know you can learn i don't know conversational chinese which is different from writing a thesis in chinese you know so (laughs) depends on your goal yeah All right, Rita, I think we are close to the end of our episode. Uh, As usual, there's a bonus. Yes, and if you want to be part of that and listen to our bonus, each week we try to speak in a different language, sometimes in English, but mostly in a different language that we share or that Raf uh, is able to teach me and vice versa, uh, become a patron. And we're going to give you the links on the show notes. And this upcoming week, I mean, the first week of November, we're going to hold our first live Q&A for our patrons. So if you want to be part of that, become a patron. Yeah. Our first live Q&A with our supporters is going to be on Thursday, the 3rd of November, 11 p.m. Central European time. Yes. Are we going to be even awake at the time of the day? Definitely awake. Maybe not as awake as 8 a.m., but definitely awake. <laughs> yeah, languages keep us awake, but we, uh, we can't wait to meet our uh, first uh, supporters. So we are definitely going to be there and we are going to have fun. You said we speak multiple languages in our after show. Uh, So what are we going to do now? Do you speak Irish? Will you teach me Irish? (laughs) 
Well, what I could do is go through the um, what my teacher did with me about the pronunciation of at least uh, Irish, like Gaelic Irish, and how we should pronounce words. It's been a long, long time. So I wouldn't say I'll be teaching you. I'll be teaching myself and yourself <laughs> again. Yeah, you know, closing the circle with Halloween, I feel like, you know, I'm alone in the dark in the Irish <laughs> world and I'm kind of reaching for your hands to guide me through, you know, the, the spider webs and stuff like that. So please help me with that. And we have to apologize in advance to all the <laughs> Irish speakers that might listen to these episodes or the bonus. Yeah, well, we'll be talking to you next week, guys. Ciao, ciao.